Well, folks, we are back again. This is episode number 13 of the Live Fire Cooking Podcast. And this episode is going to be going out basically almost Christmas. So it's going to be going out on the 20th, Friday the 20th. And uh, so it's Christmas is almost here. The holiday season uh, is here. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of holiday-related cooking, live fire cooking you know, techniques um, this time of year. And also just touching base with what we've been up to recently on some recent cooks. So we'll start with Derek. Uh, why don't we start with something that you've cooked recently that you are excited about? Yeah, man. Uh, so I was really excited. I did a, uh, a beef tenderloin, actually a Wagyu beef tenderloin, uh, last week and kind of prep for something that I'll hopefully be doing during the Christmas uh, season. So uh, I cooked it. Uh, pretty, the, the fun thing about tenderloin, especially when you do it whole is that once you wrap it and do it well, so it's evenly, uh, made. So, cause tenderloin kind of comes down to a point. So you have to wrap that point back onto itself and then tie it. Uh, but it's pretty simple to cook. It's a big cut of meat, but you can grill it pretty quickly. Um, so I just put in, uh, my meter probe that I actually got as a early Christmas present and which is just like a wireless, um, temperature, uh, thermometer. And so anyway, I, I plugged that in and I grilled it with just some salt and pepper. Uh, and then I topped it with some red wine kind of glazed onions and it was super delicious, really easy recipe to recreate when you're cooking, uh, this holiday season. Uh, definitely recommend it. The only other tip that I have is, um, because it is such a big cut of meat and you got to use a lot of seasoning, honestly, to cover it all. Uh, really just let season it and then let it rest for a couple of minutes, um, probably like 15, 20 minutes or so in your fridge. So that seasoning can just kind of sink in because you're going to cook it pretty fast. It only takes you about 20 minutes to cook, but um, that way the seasoning can kind of sink in and set into the actual meat. And then while you're cooking it, it's not going to fall off and, and rip off uh, as much as it would if you just seasoned it and threw it right onto the grill. Um, so that's one of the big things I've been doing. And I also did a, a hanging New York strip roast, uh, which I've never done before. In fact, I've never even have, have y'all cooked a New York strip roast before? No, I haven't. No. Nope. Never done that. So it's basically, I mean, it's a, it's a New York strips, uh, that are uncut. And so, um, it was probably only about like four, um, probably four New York strips put together. So, um, it was, I don't know, about like 14 inches or so. Some anyway, it was, it was really good. Uh, I hung it over the Brio actually, and, uh, tied it off with twine and seasoned it with my Tennessee smoke. And it honestly, it only took maybe about two hours to cook to get to that really nice, even temperature of just like a 120. And I let it rest for about 20 minutes or so after that. But I like hanging stuff a lot because with the grill grate, you sacrifice losing some of the seasoning and that crust. Um, but when you hang it, you don't actually have to lose that and you can still get a lot of that temperature uh, that you want to get uh, and keep that temperature control. The only downside with hanging is that you just got to know how to tie it well and make sure that it doesn't fall basically. So, I loved it. It was delicious. Caramelized really well. Sliced perfectly. I love New York strip. I honestly, I think that's my favorite over ribeye. Um, but those are my two big ones that I've been doing kind of in prep for the holidays. That's awesome. And what's awesome about the uh, New York strip um, 
gross basically is that that would also be an awesome cut for uh, the holidays. I mean, you could almost take uh, approach that almost like you would a prime rib in a sense. Um, am I right? Like you could use that to serve a big group of people in, in that same way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it really does feed a lot more people than you might even uh, know. And honestly, this time of year, I think prime rib and the big cuts like that are a lot easier to find, obviously, because everybody is trying to cook like that this time of year. But I would definitely ask and see if you can get a New York strip roast. Um, I, I don't know if it would necessarily be all that much cheaper, but I personally like the flavor that you can get off of it. And it would be just kind of a different way. Um, people wouldn't necessarily know exactly maybe what it is or they haven't necessarily seen it cooked uh, like that before, whereas a lot of people know what prime rib roasts are. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that yeah. sounds cool. When you hung it, did you uh, did you go with like metal hooks or did you use twine actually? So I, at first I thought about doing the metal hooks, kind of like the, the claws, um, mm-hmm. but I ended up deciding on going on twine and I did a kind of a different technique uh, with tying it. So this time tying it, I used one long strand uh, and I, I wrapped it around and then I twisted it uh, over itself. Uh, and then I tied it in three spots, um, going back and forth, uh, flipping from the top. I pull it around and twist it, and then go back around and flip the rib roast uh, or the New York strip roast over, and then twist it on the other side. So I ended up having like three intersections on each side of the of the New York strip roast, if that makes sense mm-hmm. at all. And then uh, just tied it off with a butcher knot. Uh, and it, it worked really well. In fact, it gave me a little bit more anchor points, uh, to hang it from the hook that I used. Nice. Did you have to do any rotation throughout the cook or just, just hung it straight? Yeah, I had to rotate it. Uh, I started it off on the fat cap side, uh, just to sear that off just a little bit uh, and get it melty. So it'll start going into Mm -hmm. the, to the meat. And then I slowly cooked it probably about 30 minutes or so. Uh, per side ish, uh, and a couple of sides. Obviously, it depended on the variation of temperature. The only other thing I, I learned as well is it was actually really easy to cook on the brio. Starting off with the big fire uh, with your your big logs, and then I just started slowly adding charcoal into the brio uh, so that I could lower uh, the meat down in, so it could actually cook. At, probably a, a more even temperature than having just that kind of wildfire that you can get from big logs. So adding that charcoal in there, I actually learned that you can cook pretty slowly and still get a lot of residual heat um, off of every side. It, it was a, a different way for me to see the brio in cooking, um, and cooking and maybe just cooking in general over open fire. So I definitely think that there's other things that you could approach that you could cook for a long period of time um, that maybe you would traditionally smoke or something like that. You could definitely even hang a a prime rib roast as well this year. Yeah. Well, and what I love about that is like, you know, when you've got a lot of family around for the holidays, everyone's kind of, you know, kind of in their corners of groups of people hanging out, but there's always that group that would just want to be outside and stand around the fire. So I could just see everybody out there, you know, with some hot chocolate, you know, just enjoying the fire, watching it roast, helping to rotate it. Um, yeah, that could definitely be a, a new family tradition. Love it. Yeah, I think I think from that's a great point, Christy, because um, a lot of times when we're doing these holiday cooks, whether it's Thanksgiving or, you know, for, for the Christmas holidays, 
um, you're doing the cook while people are hanging out. And so anytime you can get more experiential with it and involve people with it, um, it just builds anticipation for that meal and just is a great connecting point for, you know, the friends and family, something that everyone can have in common, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on what everyone's politics are or whatever, it gives you uh, something that you can talk about that everyone will agree is awesome. So, um, uh, quick, quick, quick last question for Derek, um, just recapping. So how, how much did it weigh? What was the internal temp and how long was the cook? Just a, just a real re- quick recap. I'm going to have to double check on the weight. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I uh, cooked it for about two hours, brought it up to just about 117 internal, making sure that I rotated it pretty evenly so it would cook pretty evenly inside. Uh, and then I rested it for about 20 minutes um, and it was pretty good to go. I paired it with a creamy horseradish. Sweet. Awesome. Christy, what's something that you cooked recently that you can tell us about? Well, you know, for me, I'm getting ready to roll into competition season, uh, barbecue competition season. A lot of people that barbecue competition season is in the summer, but here in the desert Southwest, when it's 115 degrees in the summer, that's the time that we don't have competitions. Um, Whereas everybody else is out, you know, in the winter with the snow, this is when they take a pause. Um, So I've got a competition down in Phoenix in a couple weeks, and then another one up in Utah um, a week after that, and then one another one down in Arizona shortly after that. So what I've been working on is practicing my brisket technique. Um, that's one of the areas where I can cook it okay at home. I mean, my I'm pretty proud of my brisket. But when it comes to competitions, the judges are just really looking for something really special. Um, traditionally, I cook my brisket um, at about 250 degrees, sometimes even down to 225 degrees. Uh, I recently went to a class in Missouri uh, from some of the top 10 pitmasters in the country, and they cook hot and fast. So they use their drums. Um, I've got some Hunsakers that I use usually. Um, I've also got an Oklahoma Joe, um, and I actually just got a Gateway, um, which is the company that they work for. Um, And they cook around 300 degrees. So that was the technique that I was trying because usually you think of brisket as being a slow and low type of cook that can be 12 to 18 hours, but they knock this thing out in five hours. So I tested it yesterday and I was really, really impressed with the results. Um, Bottom line when you're cooking brisket is the first stage... Well, for competitions, the the very first stage before you start cooking it is actually injecting it. Um, a lot of times in competitions, they'll, people will inject with phosphates um, and water or things along those lines. If you're not really into phosphates or you're just cooking at home, you don't have to do that step. But you could maybe inject it with a can of um, beef co- consomme, you know, some beef stock, maybe mixed with a little bit of water. And that just helps to add to the juiciness and the tenderness. So that's kind of the pre-stage, applying your rub, letting it sit overnight, and really absorb all those flavors. And then once you put it on the smoker, really the temperature is up to you. You could go as low as 250 and just know that that's going to take a lot longer, or you can go up to 300 and then know that that's going to take about three hours for your for your first stage of it. And that first stage is really looking for the color. It's looking for that nice mahogany bark that you're going to get um, just you know, transitioning from that raw meat to kind of that seared it's not not necessarily seared as in a heat sense, but it's seared in that the, the crust is just built upon there. And once you really hit that stage, at that point, it's really absorbed all the smoke that it can. So then it comes down to the final stage, which is usually called a wrap stage 
traditionally people will wrap in foil or they'll wrap in butcher paper. Um, with a, this technique, I was trying hot and fast. I actually just put it in a half pan and added some um, liquid to that. And when you do the wrap with foil or, or butcher paper, you also will add liquid. And it's really, you're kind of finishing out in kind of a braise style. So you've got all the smoke that you need and now you're just really breaking down that muscle tissue and getting it as tender as possible. And again, depending on your how high of a temperature you're cooking at, that can be a process if you're at 250, that can take several hours. Or if you're doing hot and fast, it only takes two hours. Um, and then really the most important stage, once you've finished all that, is letting it hold, letting it rest. I usually put it, um, I have what's called a cambro, but basically you could just take an ice chest without ice wrap the whole meat in a big towel, um, one that you don't bathe with because it's going to smell like smoke when you're all done, but wrap it all in that towel and put it in that ice chest without ice and let it sit there for at least an hour. Sometimes I'll let it sit for like two or three hours. Um, but that's when all of that juice that's just been kind of wiggling around trying to make sense of itself really reabsorbs back into that meat and makes it for a really, really nice tender slice. So um, that's what I was doing yesterday. I was really pleased with where I was at. The, the biggest trick is knowing when to pull it off the smoker. Um, I went for a temperature of about 208 degrees yesterday. In hindsight, I wish I would have gone to about 210. Um, when you stick your thermopen or you stick your probe within the uh, meat, you want it to feel as little resistance as possible. When you slide it in there, if you feel that there's a little bit of tug pushing back on your probe, then you know you need a little bit more time. Last night, I just, I thought I was there and I, I just, in, in the end, it was a great, it was bendable brisket. It tasted great. Uh, but I know now had I gone just a little bit further, it would have been even better. That's awesome. That's Thank you for breaking down that process. I was, I was saying, you know, before the show, we should really cover a classic barbecue cut like this in detail because we've never done that in the show. And for a lot of people, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, we all want to be able to make good brisket. That's kind of the holy grail um, on the barbecue side. So that, that was very interesting to hear your process through that, Christy. Um, if you were to compare and contrast the, maybe the flavor texture differences between um, the hot and fast method versus the low and slow, uh, what were you finding like with the one you did, you did yesterday, uh, the difference being? You know, I really didn't notice a difference. Surprisingly, I, I expected that um, that I would, but it, they really, I was pleased with it. They both came out really similarly. I would say maybe the, the one that's slow and low is perhaps a little bit um, softer to the mouthfeel, but it also will depend on the grade of brisket that you're using. So yesterday I used a prime grade. Um, in competitions, I'll use a Wagyu Gold because that's just the that's just going to give you the most marbling and be the the softest, most tender um, meat that you can use for competitions. But when I've when I've done prime to prime at you know two twenty five or now at three hundred, I really didn't see a significant difference. So I think it comes down to how much time do you have, how much time do you want to spend. Um, it also one of the things that you need to re remember when you're cooking hot and fast too is depending on where your heat source is, you might need to flip your brisket a few times. Um, so if like in a drum smoker, you've got actually you're almost cooking in a direct heat setting. It's just an elevated direct heat, but there's nothing between the fire and that brisket other than the grill grate. So if you've got that direct heat at 300 degrees firing up on that brisket, it could burn the bottom if you leave it there for three hours. So you're going to want to do a flip about halfway through, um, starting with the fat side down and then just flipping it um, with the fat side up. If you are on like a pellet smoker, you're not going to have to worry about that as much because you're not going to have that direct flame right under there. So just um, being mindful of which grill you're using is is always helpful. Right, Christy, for sure. what, what do you ahead, think um, for anybody that's maybe new to smoking or 
uh, really new to barbecue in general, who, where do you think they should start? Would you recommend doing a hot and fast first or would you recommend doing low and slow? Does it really even matter? I would probably recommend low and slow. Um, there's less room for error in low and slow because if you go hot and fast, you can you can get a little too hot too fast. Like I said, you could get a little bit of char. Um, you've got to be a little bit better at your um, fire management. So I would say go low and slow. I would also say if you've cooked a brisket and you've been disappointed with it, it's most likely the grade of brisket that you're cooking, not so much your cooking technique. Um, if you're cooking a choice brisket, it's really hard to get a really good tender bite out of a choice brisket. Um, so definitely try to go prime if you can. I mean, save Wagyu for those special occasions. That's really, really expensive. But bottom line is really just look for the marbling. Sometimes you can actually find a choice grade that's got some marbling in it, but look for those white streaks, um, especially in the flat. That's the, um, skinnier portion of the brisket. It's two, it's two main muscles. The flat side is the thinner side. And then the point is, is actually the fattier side, which is the most flavorful side of the brisket. Um, and that's going to be kind of more of a hump shape, but look for that, those striations of marbling when you pick out your brisket. Um, and then I, I recommend going slow and low. And if you live in a dry climate, like I do add a pan of water in while you're cooking, and that will also help retain the moisture. Awesome. Absolutely. Those are some great, um, tips. I, I think, I mean, like, from, from the uh, the question, Derek, which, which where should they start? So I've done, the only brisket I've ever done were low and slow. Um, and that was like in a ceramic, like a green egg. And I feel like definitely starting, and maybe even same with, because you can do pork, pork both, you know, pork butts both both ways, hot, um, you know, hot and fast or low and slow. Low and slow definitely, like you said, Christy, it, it gives you more margin for error, um, for sure. I've never tried a brisket hot and fast. I have done pulled pork hot and fast um with the pork butt and uh definitely for beginners i think going low and slow just is, is the is the way to go yep i agree and then just looking for that final temp like i said making sure not so much that what the temperature reading is but the feel of your thermometer probe going into the meat you want it to be really soft um and then also that that holding time that at least one hour of holding time um just to redistribute those juices and get it nice and tender yeah awesome um, no. Sweet. Let's. Well, I was go just going to say it's really interesting to know that um, it's not as much your cooking technique as it is uh, the the type of beef that you actually get out of the brisket. So I think that that definitely helps for a lot of people. Yeah. I've I know when I first tried doing brisket a couple of years ago, it definitely didn't go as well as I wanted it to. Uh, and then you know I've been doing it more and more recently. In fact, I've actually been doing a lot more hot and fast with it. Um, and it's been turning out really mm -hmm. great, but it, you know, I've never actually really gone up to maybe like a Wagyu, uh, brisket or something like that. So definitely need to try that. Take it to the next level. Yeah. It's, it's a game yeah. changer. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, when you think about it, it definitely makes sense that that would be the biggest variable, you know, between an okay brisket and amazing brisket would be something that's well marbled. Um, you know, that's kind of in many ways designed for that. Uh, that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so switching uh, gears a little bit here to talking about the holidays, um, why don't we start with you, Derek? Um, give people kind of um, your your plan for the holidays, maybe, and then just some some tips and tricks, ideas for them to kind of spice things up uh, over the yeah. next few weeks. So uh, we're actually I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it. So um, a few really fun ideas that you can do for the holidays is definitely obviously uh, doing anything that's like hanging. So you could do the hanging New York strip roast, or you could do a hanging prime rib. I definitely also recommend doing a smoked prime rib uh, or something that may have a little bit more temperature control for those that maybe are not as uh, crazy on, 
on hanging some massive piece of meat that costs them a decent amount of money. So I definitely recommend that. Um, there's a ton of other things. I think that the the grilled um, beef tenderloin, which I actually have on my website right now, is amazing. So I highly recommend doing something like that. Um, I also really love the holidays, especially Christmas, because it doesn't necessarily have any one single protein uh, that it's centered around. So I love doing things that are different. I really think that it'd be fun to do like a, you know, a maple bourbon salmon um, or doing like a cold smoked salmon or anything else that kind of gets you out of the realm of maybe traditional thoughts of prime, uh, prime rib or any kind of major uh, beef, even though I love beef, this is kind of the fun time of the year where you can do some different things and get away with it. In fact, my family has always done white chicken chili uh, on Christmas Eve. So I definitely recommend doing just something different and, and sticking with it. And, and speaking of that, I'll actually be in New Mexico this year. Uh, and so I am going to be doing a lot of New Mexican inspired uh, recipes while I'm out there. I'm hoping to be doing um, just a bunch of like hatch chili, everything. Uh, so if I can even get my hands on some, but, uh, I'm hoping to do some, uh, chimmy verde. Uh, so blend of chimichurri and chili verde chicken wings on the Brio while I'm out there. Uh, got a, a few other fun ideas, uh, that I'll be doing while I'm out there as well. So honestly, this is the time of the year where you can just kind of get away with cooking anything. As long as it's delicious, everybody's going to love it. So those are some great tips there. Um, Thanks for giving people that kind of insight into what you're doing and also just the freedom to really explore. And I I think that's exactly what I'm looking at too, personally, is just that, you know, I feel like Thanksgiving, you're a little bit more, it's a little bit harder to, to be, you know, um, very broadly creative with, with what you're serving people because people are really coming for something very specific in mind. Um, they're looking for turkey. You know, they want to have the traditional um, turkey, cranberry, you know, the, the, the flavors they're used to having for, for a long time. But Christmas, people have their own traditions. Um, and you can I think there's more room for creativity, I think, in that in that holiday. Uh, and so I think what you were some of the ideas you were giving, even like the salmon and stuff um, are awesome. Uh, Christy, bringing you into this discussion, what's your plan for the holidays and what would you recommend people uh, try out this year? Yeah. So this year, I think I'm going to go with a prime rib. Um, Last year, I did some beef plate ribs instead of a prime rib, Um, smoke those for five or six hours. And and that was just as much of a beautiful presentation piece as a prime rib. Um, Definitely a different cut if you want to try something different that's beefy. Um, As I mentioned last week, ham is always a winner for the holidays, for Christmas. It's an easy cook. Um, I like to grill my ham, so you can you can pick up a spiral sliced ham. I usually put it in a half pan on the grill with about um, a cup of water or so, and then I glaze it. That's something that doesn't require a lot of your attention, and, and ham sandwiches for leftovers are always awesome. Um, we're going to start out probably Christmas Eve um, with doing more of a seafood feast. I've got some really nice um, U10 uh, scallops. I do have some salmon as well. Um, we usually like to do steamed mussels or steamed clams. Again, all of that's going to be cooked outdoors. Um, so we like to go kind of light with seafood on Christmas Eve so that on Christmas Day, then we can kind of indulge in those um 
heavier proteins like the prime rib. Um, but breakfast is always a special time for us as well. Christmas morning, we'll wake up and, you know, maybe pour some mimosas and open some presents. Um, but then after that, we like to have some kind of a breakfast before the big dinner. Um, traditionally, we'll do like a sausage casserole. But this year, I think we're going to do Dutch baby pancakes. And I like to cook those on the grill as well. They are so super easy. You just combine a half a cup of flour and a half a cup of milk and three eggs and then maybe a little bit of salt and take some of those like mini lodge cast iron skillets, like the six inch ones, set those on the grill with some butter and then pour the batter into the skillets. Um, that recipe I just shared will fill about two skillets. So if you got more people, obviously you need to double or quadruple it. Um, but put those skillets on there, close the lid and it'll just start to puff up. And then everybody can kind of top it their own way with some fresh berries or lemon curd or you know, maybe even a little bit of whipped cream or they can do some maple syrup. So um, that's a fun little quick presentation thing that you can whip the batter up the night before and then in the morning, just light the grill and, and fire up those cast iron skillets. Love it. I love the breakfast yeah. idea. That's great. Because I think for a lot of people, like for, for me growing up, um, our tradition was you could open one present Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. then you could wait for Christmas morning. And it was, I think the rule was it had to be, the sun had to be rising or something. Else. <laughs> or six I think it was 6 a.m. So like at 6 a.m., the kid, the younger kids, whoever was most excited would come, you know, ripping through the house. Uh, I come from a big family, so there's always always some kids that were excited about it. And then we wake up, open presents pretty early. Everyone's drinking coffee. And then we're hungry because we've been you know, hanging out for a couple hours. And it's still a long way until the big Christmas dinner. And so we would always do some sort of breakfast. So that's actually a great idea, uh, Christy. I might have to, to, to steal that one. Do you serve the, the, the pancakes still in, the, in that little skillet then, or, or do you pull it out? Actually, absolutely. Yeah. So then we pull them all to the counter, um, you know, have some hot pads on the counter and tell people that they're hot so that they know. But yeah, and then they just kind of can grab them with a little pot holder. They each get their own pot holder and then they can just go down the line and top them with, like I said, whatever fresh berries or lemon curd or syrup or or fresh herbs like mint and stuff, um, whatever whatever they want to top them with. And eventually the pans don't stay hot all that long. Um, so then they can just, uh, you can set the pan also on a plate so they can carry the plate around. But Yeah. It's a fun little twist. Absolutely. No, I, I think that back to kind of the whole thing of, of being creative with the holiday and kind of surprising people, having some cool presentations. I think that's a perfect a perfect way to do that. No one's expecting you to uh, do something like that for them. Everyone's expecting the impressive presentation to be for the dinner. And mm-hmm. so pulling something like that out of the bag, I think, uh, is a great idea. Um, and the cook, the cook temp um, on the grill is usually around 425. And it okay. can be direct. It can be direct heat because it only takes about ten minutes. It's a re- like I said, it's a super quick breakfast. You mix the batter the night before, fire the grill to four twenty five, cook them for ten minutes, and and you can even cook them to order really because you know if some people aren't quite ready for breakfast. They want to sleep in <laughs> if they get that chance. Then you can just you can get theirs ready well, when they're ready. Orders, I'll take ten. <laughs> you got it. We can throw some yeah. hatch chilies on there. You that would be good. Down to Santa Fe and and make some. Yes. <laughs> That's always yeah. fun too. The one thing I feel like a lot of people uh, overlook is they always think about Christmas Eve uh, dinner and Christmas Day dinner, but they, they're never really thinking about Christmas Day breakfast. So there's always a lot of fun things that you can do and not be like too overly complicated. I know my wife's family, they always make biscuits and gravy, sausage gravy every Christmas morning. So, and that's, I mean, that's a really simple thing as well. I mean, you just obviously they they use pre-made biscuits, but um, they end up using uh, they make their own just simple gravy with sausage and milk and flour 
and salt and black pepper. And that's all you need. And honestly, that's just, we call it Southern cement um, because it just sits in your gut <laughs> for like two weeks. So, um, but, you know. Well, what it, uh, no, it's just, you know, it, uh, there's a lot of other fun things that you can do. They're like the one skillet uh, or like one pan skillet breakfast with like hash browns and peppers and onions and all that. You can feed a lot of people in the morning and still make delicious food. You can even obviously cook it all over open pit fire uh, and be outside. Maybe if it's a little too cold and you haven't had too much coffee, uh, you can probably cook it inside on Christmas morning. But uh, yeah. One of the things I love to do with with biscuits and gravy, I do this actually on the competition circuit, is I make a biscuits and gravy casserole. So I'll actually cook the biscuits ahead of time and then crumble them up and throw them in a bowl. I cook the sausage just in the skillet, um, and then I throw that in the bowl, mix, make some gravy, some sausage gravy, throw that in the bowl, and then I crack in a few eggs um, just so that it's a little bit loose, and then I line it in a buttered aluminum pan, and then... I could throw that in the freezer. And then when it's time for breakfast at a competition, um, I thought the night before, and then I just cook it over indirect heat in the grill just to basically warm it up. And then with those eggs and the, and the gravy, it just kind of all starts to rise again, even though the biscuits have already been cooked, everything just kind of starts to rise. And, um, that's another, another quick thing that could definitely happen oh, yeah. on Christmas morning. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And really, I mean, even if you have your own ideas for that, for that morning breakfast, even if you're just, you know, doing a twist on the classic bacon and eggs or something, um, just putting energy into that meal. I think, like you said, Derek, it's often overlooked when you're thinking about Christmas Eve and then you're thinking about the Christmas Day dinner. Um, I think it's a, a really fun way to surprise people um, and really get you know get Christmas Day started off on the right foot uh, with some kind of cool presentation or just a, just a great tasting uh, great tasting breakfast. So that's um, some of our some of the. Uh, what we're thinking as far as the holidays. Um, and like I said, this is going to be posting on the Friday before Christmas. And so you should have time to listen to this episode and then get your plan all dialed in, dialed in for, for the holidays. Um, thank you guys, everyone for tuning in. You guys have any, any final thoughts? We'll start with you, Derek. Uh, no, just happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. And hope we'll, uh, we'll see you in the new year. Christy, what about you? Yep. Ditto been a fun ride thanks again to everybody who's tuning in um if you're if you're bored please go back and listen to all the other ones there's lots of fun stuff that we talk about hopefully we make you laugh a little bit and learn a little bit but thank you both for um having me on as a co-host with you it's been a really fun time absolutely thanks for being on the show thanks to you derek and thank you for all of our uh listeners um we hope you guys have just an amazing holiday season and we will see you guys in the new year